follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Thank you all very much for joining us. Gentlemen, how are you guys holding up this evening? Oh, I guess Matt died. Well, I'm doing okay. I'm still here. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was distracted. It's all right. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not doing as well. No. <laughs> I, oh, have a, man. So, I have some sort of virus. I don't think I have the virus, well, <laughs> um, but I have I, something. I made Matt a bet he wouldn't let Tom Hanks cough on him, and it didn't go well. Oh. Apparently, it was a bad bet. Um, that was a that was a long range bet too. Yeah, I have uh, I have something. I think I think it's just an upper respiratory infection. Um, but it's it's uh, it's not great, Bob. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's not fun. Um, again, I, I there's like no availability essentially to be tested for. No, you coronavirus. Be, so they only test you if you're like hospitalized, I think. Yeah. The fast uh, test is I... supposed to be coming, but you know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I until then, I don't know. I just um, kind of self quarantining myself, but. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. So, um. Uh, we'll go ahead and get our shout-outs in. First of all, we have our shout-out to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. You need comfy wrestling gear to watch wrestling while you're quarantined. Then you need Collar and Elbow, collarandelbowbrand.com. If you use the promo code Four Corners Podcast, that's the number four, capital C and corners, capital P and podcast, no spaces. You save 10% off your order. I was wearing one of mine yesterday. And it was so comfy, it made, it even, even made me feel a little bit better. So, uh, just, I don't know, wearing something comfy seems to kind of lower the stress sometimes. And then our other uh, shout-out? Uh, that would be to Epico. Um, I just uh, pray that Epico is safe in this uh, really uh, significant time. We're trying to be upbeat, so not trying to be like uh, yeah. too doom and gloom about uh, world right. events right yeah. it's a weird time <laughs> yeah. yeah speaking of weird did either of you guys get to watch much of dynamite uh last week <clears throat> um i haven't i'm behind on dynamite but i heard it was really really good yeah it was I to the point s- where i know i uh, sorry to cut you off but yeah. i know there i know a guy who's like a more of a wwe nxt person and after watching it he was like this was so much better than what NXT was doing. Just because, I, from what I understand, I've read the spoilers, AEW really took the whole, um, you know, we have to do this in, in essentially an empty studio and ran with it. 
and made it really entertaining. Mm-hmm. And somehow pulled off like two major debuts. Oh um, yes, and having it go essentially like off without a hitch. Um, it's sad though that they happened, you know, without, without an audience. Yeah, I know. yeah, because I feel like the reaction would have been just tremendous. Even uh, oh, absolutely. Even Jim Cornette was very complimentary of how they handled the no audience thing versus WWE. Right. Uh yeah. It well and. Okay, so I didn't get to watch the show itself, but I, I've seen enough clips of it, everything to, um, you know, and seen what's happening, that sort of stuff. And then I listened to Jericho's podcast, which featured one of these people and threw more light on the gimmick in question and about how it alters and changes depending on where he goes, which has just become utterly fascinating to me. So, um, well, if, the, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to... This is one of the things that we really don't want to spoil. Well, the thing the thing where they really beat WWE across the board is WWE is kind of like not let any noise in whatsoever. So they're like working in front of totally dead crowds, whereas AEW put like the roster out there. Mm-hmm. So like during the show, you had like MJF and like Sean Spears betting on the matches. You had, you know, guys like saying stuff and reacting and like my favorite part was during like the the Jurassic Express versus um, oh oh uh, Blade and Butcher. There's yeah. just this like hope spo- like Jungle Boy selling. You just hear Sean Spears go, "Come on, Tarzan kid, I got a hundred bucks on you." <laughs> and you had stuff like Sammy Guevara like poorly singing Judas. Yeah. But like the best, the best line of the whole night, and it got it popped the whole crowd right before um, they did the Hardy debut. Is is um, Guevara's like, hey Brandy, you want to get with me? Like your man's a loser. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was some serious heel heat stuff going on with that. So it was. Uh, I have to say, man, I know he's old and like his voice has changed, but. Damn, like Jake Roberts still cuts a better promo than almost anyone. That's true. So good. Oh, he is so good. Like he he cut like a small promo. Like I think they're gonna they gotta work with him a bit because he needs to like get some of that heat on Lance. And that's a hard yeah. transition to make, but man, like he's so good. Like it it he he's just outstanding. Yeah. Oh, he really was. Okay, so um, it's it's absolutely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Uh, if you're not plugged in with the internet wrestling community, I would be shocked if you're not aware of what happened, but it's absolutely worth digging into. Oh, and just so. one more thing. That, that boot uh, Brody Lee put on Christopher Daniels looked awesome absolutely brutal oh my god that was boss wasn't it oh yeah that was great has uh, Brody Lee always used a discus lariat as a finish or has that just been a big spot for him that's newer he used to do um, on the indies he typically did the big boot or he'd do a sit out power bomb that's why his boot looks so good um, and then he kind of went from the sit-out powerbomb to kind of a black hole slam, and then that kind of turned into the... Oh, okay. Because it's it's just less uh, 
less wear on your body to do that. Yeah. But, okay, that makes sense. Uh, he's someone I know. Matt's been Matt's been around the indie scene like I have, and he's always been one of those like super like competent big guys. He was in Chikara for a long time. I always loved him in Chikara. Yeah. Um, he's in Ring of Honor too. Yeah, he was he was under he was criminally underutilized in Ring of Honor. I thought. Yeah, they could have really like pushed him as a big thing, and they didn't, but. Yeah, yeah I, he's a very, uh, he's really talented. Like I, they, basically, all everyone thought he was going to wind up in AEW, um, and I don't know. Like they, it, it's they haven't really done a lot uh, with the Dark Order, but mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of potential there to use him. Like he's not, he's older, so I, I doubt they're going to, you know, he's not going to be like building a company around him. But he's a good hand to have. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of his. I, I I really enjoy the way he works. He really digs in that roughneck style we've talked about in the past. Oh, and there's another line from this show I loved. So when Cody comes out for his thing, Arn Anderson's there with a clipboard because he's like Cody's coach, and Jericho's like, "There's Arn Anderson with his Waffle House menu." <laughs> Jericho is so good with a quip. Oh, he really is. Well, the the best part too is when Guevara was singing his theme, like Jericho couldn't like contain it; he was just cracking up. Yeah. You, whenever you see people having a good time, it's hard not to enjoy them having a good time yeah. and you having a good time too. And another little detail from the show that I loved is John Moxley cuts um cut a promo like before the show, and he gets into the car Chris Jericho gave him that he kept yeah he drove off i love that he's still driving the car around i think that he's uh he's just gonna like every opportunity they have he's gonna do that which is great and i have to say i like what they've done with the commentary team so what they did on this what they've kind of reconfigured is the main team is jr taz and excalibur and then they have tony shivani doing like ringside interviews Oh, really? I yeah. like Shivani on the commentary team. He has a nice little element to the to the um, the interviews, though, because when guys, like, say stuff, like, the way he reacts to them, he kind of does, like, mm-hmm. the Mean Gene thing. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I can't argue with that. So, anyway, tonight we're taking a step back into the past and we are going back to January 11th, 1993 and the debut of Monday Night Raw. It is a bit like even intellectually knowing it. It is a big mental shift to to go back and watch this versus uh you know, versus uh, any of the other stuff that we've been that we've seen in the last few years on TV, it's 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 very different. Even more so than if you go back and watch the first Nitro. Like, there's something weird about like early Raw. I'm. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry, this is dating myself, but I um I watched this like when it aired. Uh huh. Um, I don't remember the episode, but I know I did watch it because that was like 
just like maybe maybe six months after I just started watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that like a new show was going to be debuting like on basically prime time, I basically any new wrestling show I was like going to be watching. So I was all about watching like those early raws. Yeah. So what this uh-huh. what this did is this replaces prime time wrestling, which for years kind of was WWE like showing house show footage on Monday. And for a long time, it was a gorilla and Bobby. And then before this, I don't know how long it was like this, but they turned it into like that weird panel show with not as many matches. The panel show is really terrible. I thought though. Uh huh. And that was like Vince and like macho man. No. Yeah, it was macho man. I think. But I've only seen a couple episodes of that version of it because I don't care for it. It was... uh, The thing that gets me in watching this that jumps out to me is the fact that it feels... And I, I think Vince would have an aneurysm at hearing this. But it feels like a big indie show with a lot of... Like the crowd is very much more... um, Intimate. It's more intimate. The crowd's more involved. You hear more crowd noise. All that kind of stuff. It's a smart. It's a smarter crowd too. Uh huh. Because we'll get into that when we go. But so, if you what you can tell here, if if you've seen WWE TV in like the years leading up to this, this show is very experimental. Right. Much smaller stage. You can kind of see it's Vince trying to modernize the product to a certain degree. Mm hmm. And and I will say right off the bat, like the first eight-ish months of like these raw shows, I really love because it's this weird, it's this weird like mishmash of stuff. So it's yeah. kind of it's kind of this experiment, and he's trying to modernize the product. And what you'll see, especially on this episode, is when you're experimenting, you kind of make some mistakes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, there is a big mistake on this show. A very big mistake. I, I I really wish Macho Man would have pile drived him through the announce table, but <laughs> I was about to say I think I know the mistake you're talking about. Oh, it's a yeah. big mistake. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, I don't it's... even dislike Rob Bartlett, but wow, th- that was a bad choice. He, yeah, him being there, I like. I, I guess what they were going for is is crossover appeal or something. But the problem that happens is that he spends so much time trying to put himself over that it's it detracts from it. Like, they've got this whole section where he, he's supposedly acting as Mike Tyson, Whew. Uh, which was just rough to listen to. And it, it, it didn't add anything. It wasn't funny. Um, it was just there. Yeah. It was cringe in in like modern lingo. It was just cringe. I don't even. Like, it was cringe. No, and and Rob Bartlett's not even like. He's not not funny. I think I said that right. Like he's. Yeah, it's one of those things. I got to sit here and kind of parse for a minute. But like so. he he just didn't know the product too. I think that's what made it worse. He didn't have anything to. To add. Okay. And I think what really hurt is the segments with like Bobby Heenan trying to get in. He was funnier than the comedian they hired to do this. 
Oh, hands down. Yeah, and and it's the the that was the I was I was in a toss up in my head about whether or not you were going to say that this was the big mistake was Rob Bartlett on the desk or Bobby Heenan doing skits outside because Heenan doing skits outside is funnier because Bobby Heenan's a funny guy, but you have these whole sections of the show where Bobby Heenan's not he he's he's doing silly stuff but it's not building anything it's not putting anything over well I mean it's it, I, I like them because it broke things up and none of those segments were longer than maybe 30 or 45 seconds so you're really not out of anything and I'm betting if we saw the commercial breaks I bet those were I bet oh, a lot of those uh, were commercial break yeah, they probably were. Yeah, bumpers. Yeah. Well, okay, that's fair enough. But on again, I just, I really wish that we had gotten and Heenan I, inside doing his stuff. And I think, I think too, Heenan was a fixture on primetime wrestling for okay. years and years and years. So I think, I think part of the joke was he could like the that the the show was so hot that he couldn't. Um, get in to do oh okay so we kick uh, we, we kick this off with um yoko zuna versus coco beware <laughs> i have to say that leg drop yoko zuna put on coco he got some air on that he did but he did it in a very safe way um, if you watch when he, he comes down, butt, didn't he? that and he had his his, for lack of a better term, his landing leg was v- like really bent. Um, if if you go back and watch it, his landing leg's like at a forty five degree angle, so it looks massive because, I mean, Yoko's massive, but it was very safely done. He's a good worker. So, I I actually like him a lot. I hate his. I hate the name they gave him though. <clears throat> Yo, for the for the sake of argument, why do you hate it? It's just it because it's so WWE. Like it has to be one word. It's just the name of like a sumo wrestler rank. I I like mm-hmm. his. I like his actual name outside of WWE better. I think it's a cooler name. Because his, his what did he go by in like the AWA and stuff? He was Coquina Maximus. Yeah, that's that's better. Yeah, it just it just it's the WWE like it's how Vince had to simplify so many names and like you just you yeah. couldn't be you couldn't be like Joe Schmo. You had to be like the plumber or you know right. Yeah, yeah, I got you. It's, you know, you can't just be, you know, it, even even though Duke Drozzy had two names, it was Duke the Dumpster. Yep. Right? So, okay, I get, I get where you're coming from. Or the goon. <laughs> God. You know, D'Lo Brown just barely missed out on being one of those. I know. That's good for him. And th- this is also what I find interesting about 1993 WWE is 
You have those like last remnants of the 80s still hanging around, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan is still there. I mean, Coco's obviously here. Um, yeah. T- you know, Ted DiBiase's still around. Um, yeah. Hogan and later Beefcake are around. That episode's awful, by the way, where Beefcake makes his return <laughs> and talks about his injury, and people in the crowd are just like bummed afterwards because it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Have we have we talked? We've talked about Brutus Beefcake's injury on the show before, haven't we? Oh yeah, yeah we have. Yeah. Oh, and just how horrendously horrendously awful it was and i kind of understand why he has a drug addiction like i'm not gonna lie yeah Uh, yeah but he describes it pretty in detail when he comes back and it's like he describes like all the plates they had to put in his face and stuff and it's just Mm -hmm. so uh so up next we get uh, the Steiner brothers versus the Executioners, and the Steiners at this point have only been there for about a month. You can tell it's a smart crowd though because the Steiners get a huge pop. Mm-hmm. What I uh, what I noticed during this match is the giant glaring IcoPro billboard and the prominently featured in the background. Yeah. Oh, did, oh yeah. The, the, <clears throat> did, did they? Did you guys watch this on the network? Because I watched it on um, I watched it on YouTube, and the Ico Pro ads are like all over this too. Yeah, yeah I, I watched it on the network. Oh, I watched it on um on YouTube. Oh, you probably watched the same one I did, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the Ico Pro stuff cracks me up. It was they didn't they only mentioned it once I think in the network version, but it was um. It, it, yeah, that that billboard being there all the time. It's just kind of like, well, gee, I wonder, right? So I kind of feel the Steiners. I love the Steiner brothers, but they feel very out of place here, because you kind of have what you think of as the WWE style at the time, and then you have the Steiners just tossing guys. All oh, over the oh ring. yeah, oh yeah. I thought you whenever we were you because you messaged uh, while. Uh, while you were watching this, like we were kind of touching base with each other while it was going on. Um, but I thought you meant visually. And as it turned out, it, well, the style, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Steiners were being the Steiners, but even visually, they didn't seem to, uh, you know, they didn't really seem to fit in very well. No. But like, you know, they're, they're like tossing these dudes around, and it feels like a WCW match in a WWF ring. And it kind of makes you raise your eyebrow a little bit. What were you gonna say? Well, Brad's right. This is this was almost just like a like an old squ- like a squash match from what they would be doing on like WCW Saturday Night. Mm-hmm. Just like tossing around like Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker or something like that. But um, they were in they were in the WWE. Well, it was back WWF at that point. They were in it at like a really weird time because, uh-huh. I mean, literally like a few years earlier, they had you had this plethora of really great tag teams. You had like uh, British Bulldogs, Heart Foundation, Demolition. You even had you know like um, Killer Bees, uh, Can Am Connection. You had like good tag teams that they could have like feuded with, but this was after the fact, so they didn't really have like good tag team competition. Yeah. I, mean, I thought they had some good matches with um, with Money Incorporated. That, I like the Head Shrinkers uh, right? Mania match, yeah, because they win the titles from Money Inc. Yeah. 
Yeah, they did have some some decent matches with the head shrinkers. Because they that they have one of my favorite spots in a match where, um, in that Mania Nine match where one of the head shrinkers has Rick Steiner on his shoulders, and the other head shrinker goes for the move and like Steiner like suplexes him in midair like off the guy's shoulders when he goes for like a splash or something. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm a Steiner Brothers mark, though. I, I I could watch them. It's the same way with the Road Warriors. Like, I could watch I could watch three hours of the Road Warriors just beating up jobbers and not get tired of it. <laughs> That's that was the impression I was getting. Yeah. But this was a fun little. This is a fun little squash. Like good energy. Uh, not too long. Yeah. It's one of the things that was really interesting to me is it, it's just, and I, it's because I was looking for it this time. I hadn't been looking for it in the past, but to see um, whenever they did the flying bulldog, how honestly safe that move is, it, despite it looking the way it does. And then you have to be like, well, what? You know how how in the world did that happen with Bagwell the way it did? Maybe but, the angle. I have to I have to look at that. I'd have again. to watch it again. I think I think um I think he got. I think he, I I'd have to watch it again. But I, I <clears throat> it was kind of a fluky. Yeah, it, it was well because when um in that case whenever uh. Whenever uh, Rick came down, like Bagwell's, Rick comes down and lands, and Bagwell comes out early, and his head runs into Rick's back, basically. Instead of, um, in this case, where the guy just goes down flat. So it, it was a, uh, I don't know. I'm watching it, and I'm I, that just struck me um, whenever they did that. So. Sorry, sidebar. Oh, okay. So I don't remember where this happens, but there's a promo uh, with Heenan talking about the narcissist coming to the WWE, which is obviously Lex Luger. Uh huh. Yeah, they, he has that pretty early on, I think. Yeah, because uh. they they had Luger for that for hit Vince's um body whatever they call. What do you remember what the bodybuilding promotion was called? W- it was the WBF. Yeah, yep. he they had him for that. <clears throat> Narcissus. Yeah, I hate the way they say that. It makes me cringe. I thought they were trying to make it into a name, but well, no, clearly, like that that was that was the name they're going to go with until they got smart and just started calling him narcissist. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was a dumb name. <laughs> Why would you do that when it 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 would be a perfectly fine nickname? But what are you gonna do, right? Yeah. So then up next we get um we get Razor Ramon coming out to set up his like in a, for an in ring interview to talk about his championship match with Bret Hart. They do a, like kind of a little uh, replay of him attacking Owen Hart on like a Saturday morning show just to mess with Bret. Now, uh-huh. uh, 
I'm going to leave the, the what Shad's problem with this was because I agree with it. It bothered me too, but I thought this was a good little segment. I thought it was very concise, but set up the title match at Royal Rumble nicely. And uh, I like, yeah, established sorry, his, kind of established his character, but he did a good job of like putting Brett over as being mm-hmm. like the man. He, I, I, the thing that I, I really liked about this was he's he acknowledges that you know Brett climbed the mountain, but his follow up was it took you how long to climb this mountain and how long did it take me? You know that that was the crux of it, which I thought was was very well done. But um, the the problem that I had was that. Uh, you know, it's like, well, um, he's very much leaning on his Tony Montana accent here, and it makes uh, him talk so slow. The fake Spanglish, yeah, was so it was so bad. It was and it's like I know, I know they're trying to to present that he's like this Cuban dude, even though he's not remotely Latin in any possible yeah. way. But it was just terrible. And then you have him, it'd be like, hey. Silencio. Yeah. And it's like, oh god, oh god. Stop. Please stop. Oh, it was awful. And it took like the the promo was good, but the the setting on it was terrible. I think it's the best way I can say it. You know, all the 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 promo the material was good, but it was delivered just the terribly. Oh, it took me out so hard. You know what what cracks me up about the Razor Ramon character though is He's only, like, four years removed from an awful, like, poofy 80s haircut with a porno mustache. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what he had when he was... I, I know Matt's going to remember this, but remember when he was in WCW as Scott Gator Hall? Oh, I barely remember. I don't, well, I, w- I, didn't, I wasn't watching wrestling at that time, but I do... I've seen, like, the promos and stuff for it. Yeah. He looks like a lot. He, honestly, like towards the end of the '80s, he looked a lot like Magnum TA. He did, and I think that's probably like why they hired him. Yeah. Um, well, he he was yeah. in the AWA. Uh, he and Kurt Henning were tag champs in like '85, '86. Yeah, I, I feel like he didn't really start getting good until '91, '92. Yeah, like, yeah, like his early WCW. But he was like the Diamond, uh, whatever he was called. Diamond Stud. Diamond Stud. Yeah, Diamond yeah. Stud's kind of where I thought he started to. Uh, get decent and then I thought in WWE like once 93 hits he really like steps it up yeah I I don't know it kind of seems like he he finds finds something that fits him a bit more but god bless man you can tell he's kind of I mean he's been there for a while at this point but you can tell he's kind of fine tuning the character a bit yeah well, it, like at the very beginning, when he would do the, uh, whenever he'd do his, his thing in the ring pointing at himself, you would see him saying, me, 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 yeah. Like, you'd see him saying that instead of just doing the thing. Yeah. Now, so what I did like, though, is if, if this promo happened in WWE today, it would be a 20-minute <laughs> opening segment with, like three interruptions like Bret Hart coming out and some other random person coming out 
and then they'd have some stupid tag we'd seen for like the last three weeks in yeah. the current setting. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be pretty bad. Yeah, and so the next up we get Shawn Michaels defending the Intercontinental Championship against Max Moon. Yep, we sure did. Good old Paul Diamond. Was this like one of the last times we saw Max Moon? No, he he hangs around for about another month. Because he's in the Rumble, I know that. Was that... I, I was, Had it switched over at that point? Because I swear watching that, I thought it looked like... Uh, no, Conan, I thought it was like, Conan only did it once or twice, and then Paul Diamond fit the suit, so he got to do it. Okay. Because he did a lot of, like, forward rolls and stuff like Conan liked to do, and I'm just like, hmm. Yes, but the, the clear difference here, though, is he didn't guess doing that <laughs> okay fair enough and this was actually decent for a tv match i thought it was fine we got some um we got some classic fence isms throughout we, this yeah like oh, yeah. the the one uh, maneuver the one move that max moon did to john michaels on the outside i don't even know what you would call it was it when he he catapulted him? No, it's like when he um when he ran on the ring apron and jumped up and kind of just like drove used his butt to drive oh, yeah. Shawn Michaels down. Uh, you get the classic like, "Wow, what a maneuver!" Yeah, uh, oh we, yeah, I I if um I think I did a shot on my Vince Bingo card during that for that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What a maneuver came up I think three times. Well, yeah, I like when in that he, match. I like when he just. I like though when Vince. I don't know if he did it during this episode, but when someone does something, he doesn't know the name, and he doesn't even respond to it like that. He just goes like, like something like that. <laughs> and he just like makes a Vince noise, and you're just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so jarring, you know. Um, it. Uh... It's so jarring to hear that, um, and they. And, but on the other hand, it's also not surprising at all. So, I don't know. It's, I feel. I feel like in this episode we got one of the classic. Oh yes, one, two, three. He got him when it was like only a one count. I feel yeah. like we got one of those. I forget which match, but it might yeah. have been the IC title match. Because I. Because yeah. I swear yeah. to God, I I um. I I blinked and missed the Undertaker versus Danny Demento match. Uh, you wouldn't have to blink long. Yeah. Damian Demento was a weird one. It's like, why did they even hire that guy? I he, he was just a job guy, I think. Mm-hmm. I but he clearly had like a gimmick. I know that because he always perplexes me. Like, um. Because I, I, I came in a little later, but a lot of my exposure to this time period, like my early exposure to it before like you could really get the footage easily, was the Coliseum home videos. Mm-hmm. And he was always weird to me because he was this big dude. He obviously had a gimmick, but then he lost to everyone. Uh, he... Because I think I saw him lose to Tito Santana, and 
And as far as like the Coliseum home videos, like if El Matador Tito Santana beat you, you might as well just get a new profession. It was odd to watch because like at this point, you know, Taker's got a handle on the gimmick pretty well and he's working pretty well. But I don't know. Damien just is like he seems a half a step off a number of times in this match. Like there's a he goes to shoot Taker off, but it's like he tries to forearm him and then shoot him off. But he's already pushed him into the ropes. So Taker's going into the ropes. And so this forearm doesn't land. It just becomes another hand on Taker's chest to shoot him off with. Um, and so it's, I'm like, it's, 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 it's little, but it's, um, it's little, but it's, I don't, I don't know. It's enough that it, it catches on me, I guess I could say. Like some stuff's not a big deal. And but then there's some of them where it's like ah that that bugs me. So just a random question, like, what did you guys think of like the Manhattan Center as a venue for this early stuff? I thought it was really good, like because you've got this. You know, we talked about it earlier the hot crowd and it's organic and and they're they're invested unless they aren't like in the doink segment um maybe it was crush they weren't invested in but it was probably crush probably crush but they were invested unless they weren't um which which helps because if the uh you know if the uh the crowd is excited for it you're excited too but it's i'm like "Mm, yeah no it's good it's fun to watch i i like that Matt, uh, Matt Bourne, Doink the Clown, is one of my one of my favorites. We've talked about him before. It's like super, super underrated gimmick and worker. Yeah, because he, yeah. he and Kurt Henning have like this really great series of matches to qualify for the King of the Ring later in the year. And one of my favorite one of my favorite segments with him in, in this crush feud is they lead to a segment where he's acting like he has a broken arm, and then he pulls his arm out and proceeds to beat, um, beat Crush with the mannequin arm. I remember that. Yeah, wasn't there an issue where he uh, he busted on Crush with a car battery or something? I believe so. Yes. I always wanted to recreate that when I worked at the battery shop, but I never did. Uh, I never did find a good enough case to do it with that that I could have taken the lead out Wait, of. You didn't go the cane route and shock someone's balls with a car battery. No, come on, man. You didn't have enough money to make that look as awful as it would need to. You could have, you could have done that and then yelled, I'm the shock master bitches. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh God. I have to see someone do that now because that would be hilariously awful. Uh, yeah. There's there's also a segment I really liked in here, which I wish they'd go back to. Um, I like how in the old days they used to do the Royal Rumble setup, and you knew like ninety nine percent of who was going <laughs> to be in the Royal Rumble. I miss that. Yeah. Even when they would just publish the list on the website ahead of time, like <clears throat> these are the confirmed entrants. 
Well, I love that Vince would just rattle him off too with uh, all the manic energy that he would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, Texas Tornado! <laughs> Passion Booger! <laughs> what are the head shrinkers? No, hang on. The fact that you call pulled Bastion Booger up for this. <laughs> oh, there's actually so his his gimmick that predated Bastion Booger was Friar Ferguson, who Friar has Ferguson. a yeah. couple of raw appearances. Yeah, I was gonna say what he was a he was like a, a priest or something before that. Yeah, was he Mantar <laughs> after after or was Mantar someone no, else? Mantar was someone else. Okay. Oh man. Yeah, Bastion Booger with ring gear made to look like duct tape, and his entrance music was a fart track. I think this there is, are um, belches in there too. This is a weird, um, like a non sequitur story. I just want to throw it out there. This is actually like an old story. It, it was done at least like a year or two ago on um, the Fully Posable podcast. They mm-hmm. had um, they had um, Bane on. I forgot. God, what's his name? He's like a, he's actually a wrestler. He's um Oh, um was he the one that played Sabretooth? No, 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 that's that's Tyler Maine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh god, I forget his actual name. But anyway, he's um was it maybe it was Brian Breaker. Uh one of their buddies who's big into like wrestling toy collecting. Um anyway, he like told this story about he was at I don't. I don't want to say it was like a. It wasn't like a WWE tryout, but maybe it was like a Raw or something where they needed like extras, like wrestler extras. And he told the story that he was there and like he did his work, whatever, like that. It was part of whatever segment they had. But there was like a couple like bigger dudes there who weren't just like there as extras. They were trying to actually like get like a tryout or get hired. Yeah. And he's like, you know, God, I feel like these guys, like, I know these guys. Like, wh- where have I seen these guys before? And then afterwards, like, one of the other, like, workers or in, basically was like, dude, you don't know who those two guys were? He's like, no, no, like, I can't place them. Like, I know I should know them, but I can't, I can't place them. And he, he was told, like, dude, that was Mantar and P and News. And I'm like, <laughs> like wow. <laughs> they, like, just dug out the mothballs. They got these guys to come back. Wow, P and News. Yeah, that's a name you haven't heard in a long time. The I, only reason I hear Mantar is because you guys will bring him up about once a month. Yeah. How, <laughs> how WCW was that to make a fat white guy a rapper who couldn't rap? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's a. You know, I, and that actually caught me thinking about like mid uh, or early like '90s WCW. And a guy who like had well, actually got some some heat in early '90s WCW, and then went to WWE, and they did nothing with him. But do you guys remember Max Payne, aka Man Mountain yeah. Rock? Yeah. yeah. How come they never did anything with him? Because they're stupid. He wasn't terrible. No, he was he was solid. He's like he's like that. <laughs> He is like that that cape he's not like I I mean he he's I would say he's good but he is that rock steady hand that any promotion would be glad to have in their mid card. Mm-hmm. And he's he was really good at um you you take him and put him with a more dynamic personality in a tag team like Mick Foley. Yep. And you get this team of these guys who both they look credible. 
Like, he, I, I'm not going to say that he was, uh, you know, he, he that that's the reason that he stands out in my head is because he's like, okay, you know, it's, it's teaming with Cactus and having the street fight with the Nasty Boys. Like, that's why he registers in my memory. But it's not like I went back to go, whenever I watch that match, I'm, I'm just like, oh, it's the Nasties and Cactus and then, like, the load. You know, he does, he does, you know, just fine. He's like a, he's like a, I mean, he's not as good a, like, in-ring as Brad Armstrong, but that's kind of like what he is, though. He's that capable, solid guy that anyone would want for their promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a good person to have around. So... I, anyway, I, I I have to say I I want to get a little more after we say what we think about it. I want to get a little more into how this how they were experimenting with Raw, but I have to say like me personally, I'm a big fan of these early Raws. Not Rob Bartlett because he's terrible until he's gone, but I really I like the vibe of the Manhattan Center. I like that they're putting some feature level bouts on TV and you know kind of breaking that WWF mold a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually enjoyed this episode. I don't think, I don't think it's um, you're not gonna break any ground here. But for 45 minutes, I think it it's snappy and it's entertaining, and you get some good Vinceisms. It's kind of like lighthearted and fun. Yeah. yeah. There and there's a lot of like early, like wackiness and. It's it's weird because you can see the transition. They're slowly trying to transition from the more like cartoonish um, early '90s WWF to I won't say the more serious product, but like slightly less cartoony product. Mm-hmm. I the thing that I really enjoyed about this <laughs> is that um, it's. In the if I needed an analog to it, like a comparison, I would probably compare these early Raws to like WCW Saturday Night, in that things were a little more loose, a little more fun, and um, you know everything wasn't it, it wasn't as big a spectacle, but it was. Um, it was really easy to enjoy. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think if you can get past Rob Bartlett and that, that I will say, if you're gonna watch these early Raws, Rob Bartlett is a barrier unto himself. I'm gonna just warn you <laughs> right now. It's bad. Yeah, that's that's fair. It that's fair. But it it is weird, like. It is weird, though, because, you know, you still have, like, Hulk Hogan kicking around. You know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's still there. Boss Man's there for another two weeks. Mm-hmm. You get the you get the Flair versus Mr. Perfect Loser Leave Town match in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, there's a Repo Man versus Randy Savage match that happens pretty early on. Right. It's just, um, you get some weird stuff. And I, yeah, I'm generally okay with that. 
But it is experimental in a lot of ways. Like, so this is like the first time they've really done live for television. Uh huh. They kind of game it though, because they kind of do like one live, one taped. But I think they did that oh, for like okay. a long time. Um, okay. It's a one hour show, which Raw was one hour till 97, I think. Okay. Actually, Monday Night Raw was always. Because remember, I think they might still do it, but back in the late 90s, remember that Raw was actually two different named programs and it would show up on your program guide as two different shows. Oh, yeah, because it was, it was Raw in the War Zone. Yeah, or Raw's War and then, like, yeah, something like that. That's right, Raw's War and War Zone. And it, I, n- I never figured out why. They got some benefit from the TV deal for having two shows. Oh, okay. It counted All as right, having two sh- two shows versus one show, so they got. I think they got more money out of it, or or they got. They, there was some benefit to it, but I'd have to look it up. Okay, right, right. It, it. I never really stopped and put much thought into it. I should have, but it, you know, I just. I was always just like, I don't wonder why they do that. So you know, fair enough. And the the smaller venue is obviously different. Oh yeah. Well, and it's gonna be because it's it's that wasn't even at this point. I can't help but wonder if Vince was trying to shoot for uh, where it is now. You know, was was that that had to have been the goal, right? I think I think what we were seeing here is this is a very it's a very early attempt by Vince. I think he's trying to revitalize his business by Mm -hmm. modernizing a bit he's trying to you know they're kind of turning over you can see by who the champions are that they're they're kind of transitioning to their next generation so i think he's trying to tweak the presentation with these new people well i i like that i think it's a good thing i'm also glad that they changed Shawn michaels finisher oh my god uh, michaels is terrible early on as a singles his back suplex yeah i'm like why 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 is his why is his finish a back suplex a move everybody else on the card does as a it's it's a transition spot I don't, I don't get it, but yeah. you know, here we are. There's also a raw I would love to do from this early batch. I would love to do a show on it. Is the episode where Marty Jannetty comes back and beats him for the IC title, and one, two, three, kid beats Razor Ramon. They did. Um, they, they, as part of this, they were building to the uh, Michaels Jannetty. Uh, matchup, which I guess at Rumble it was Michaels v. Janetti with with Sherry in the corner. Yeah, so Michaels wins there, but then Janetti gets fired, and then that May episode of Raw is when he gets rehired, and then they kind of pick it back up. Oh, okay. Because Michaels gets into a thing with Tatanka for WrestleMania Nine, and then he has a couple of matches, surprisingly good matches with Hacksaw Jim Duggan on Raw. Yeah. And I think he and Mr. Perfect have some back and forth too in this like okay. interim thing. 
Yeah, it's funny. It, it's like I watched so many. Um, you know, I watched a lot of Kurt Hennig WCW late '90s stuff, where obviously you know he was he was slowing down. He wasn't working the way he used to. So if I go back and watch his earlier stuff, it is like. You know, I knew full well how good he is, but it's also, it's, and you know, obviously he was renowned as a bump guy and that sort of stuff, but it's just, just to see what he was doing is, it's still kind of a, kind of a shock, you know? Yeah, it's actually a funny story because I think he ended up in WCW because WWF screwed up his Lloyd's of London insurance payments. Oh, that's right. I had forgotten he had a Lloyd's of London policy. Because that was a big thing, because Bret Hart had one, and someone else had one, and then they stopped doing it because they were getting burned by it. You're right. Because they were like, oh, you know, hey, it's, it's wrestling, it's fake, who cares? It won't be a big deal to insure them, and then they're like, oh, God. Oh, no, no. Because I think... I think we done? I think Henning was making, like, some real bank off of that. Yeah, I think he was. But... <laughs> Man, that's... Oh, and Typhoon. Typhoon was still hanging around. That's the one that really stood out when they were announcing Rumble entrances. I missed that. Like you know, like you know when like you hear a name and like the eyebrow goes up, that like it was like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, like what half of the natural disasters typhoon? I'm like, what? Like he's still there? I, I'm not arguing. I just didn't. I didn't catch that. Like it, it was. It, it surprised in the the fact that I didn't catch it surprises me. So. And uh, I, I prefer I prefer Typhoon as Tugboat, though. Oh, really? Just because Tugboat's so stupid and hilarious. I was going to say, it's but Sailor Hat, isn't it? Well, no, his stupid, like, his stupid music that's pretty much just like a Tugboat horn. But yeah. I, yeah. There's just, there's some early 90s stuff that's just really bad at WWF. Well, yeah, that's tr- it, it seems like if things are not in a spike period, there's a lot that falls apart. Yeah. And it, so I, I thought watching this episode and I don't know what you guys thought, but it was interesting watching the first episode of a show that's now had like 1500 episodes or something like that. Mm hmm. Oh, it's a big change. I I'd be curious what was going on at the time from when they switched to doing raw like they were doing here to more about what what uh, what it became, you know, more of what it is now. That'd be a question to ask Melter at some point. So, Matt, can you mm-hmm. text your good buddy Dave and get that on get that on oh, tap sure. for us? Yeah, <laughs> he's he's actually pretty good. Like there was a couple times. I mean, this has been years ago when I was a subscriber and I had some questions about something. I would, I've randomly emailed him before and he's always emailed me back with like an answer. Hmm. 
he's a nice guy. Again, I think he just gets a little too um, too involved in like Twitter shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like I've but, I've emailed him like some random question at like two a.m. and like within like a day, he's always emailed me back. Hmm. But he's like a nice guy. I used to love though. I I miss it so much. I don't know. Have either of you ever had like a legitimate observer subscription at any point in your life? Yeah, I have not. I used to love. Oh, it was the best. That Wednesday, just having that little pamphlet full of just typed goodness in your mailbox and slinking off somewhere and just reading it for the next four hours because he's got just text upon text in there. Uh-huh. Oh, I miss I miss the observer so much. I have I have like an online subscription, but it's not it's not the same awesomeness that it was. Right. Well Yeah, people are people are also far more uh likely to to try and lift more out of it now too so yeah, it, it's, it's still pricey because i think i used to pay like a hundred dollars a year for it Mm-hmm. but i mean it's worth it though because it's weekly and that's fair i mean hundred dollars a year for 52 issues and they're big issues like they don't look like much but then you start reading it and you realize like oh this is a lot of stuff Mm-hmm. all right so Brad, you had another topic you wanted us to hit tonight. Yes. Um, this is so. a side conversation Shad and I had the other day. So, obviously with Disney+, Plus, there's a lot of old content on there. And because, you know, we're quarantined, I've just been watching Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. <laughs> um, Amazingly catchy theme song on that. Yeah, and it's it held up surprisingly well, which turned into Shad and I talking also about the Rescue Rangers video game and kind of the Capcom Disney Afternoon Collection or mm-hmm. catalog, I'd call it. Back in the days when you could actually, when the, well, when they actually had video stores. Um, right. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers was one of those games that I actually would rent multiple times. I should have probably just bought it or had my parents buy it. Yeah. As many times as I actually rented it, but... I got it as a gift, either birthday or Christmas at some point, and it was, I just flat out sat down at one point, you know, I played it a lot, because I liked the mechanics, right? This was a game where I'm finally grasping mechanics and different weapons that you use have different, uh, they have different purposes, or they have different, um... You know, they they have different effects and that sort of stuff. But it was a game that not only did I figure out that I could just, if I said, hey, you know, I've got some time. I'm just going to sit down and beat Rescue Rangers. I figured out, like, the some of the weird exploits and stuff like that that were in it. So it was, that was, that it, 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 it's got a special place in my heart for that. It integrated the villains from the show really well, too, which I feel like other ones... Well, Darkwing Duck did, DuckTales did not. DuckTales kind of did its own thing. Um, yeah. But it's also a good test of if your friends are worth keeping or not because you can either work together or be little jerks and <laughs> throw stuff, throw apples at each other. 
So it was kind of like a um, kind of like a proto uh, Super Mario. Super Mario. What was the Wii Super Mario? Was that what it was? That was it. Wii or Wii U? Yeah, it was New Super Mario Brothers. Okay. Because I, I um... or as I had some friends of mine tell me or refer to it with Super Mario Divorce. Because uh, so. my favorite story is, um, I don't remember who it was. It might have been one of the Fitch brothers. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the, It might have been the one that passed away a couple years ago, actually. Um, he was talking about how that game came out, and he went to this conference, and they let him play the game with Miyamoto. Mm-hmm. And like he was just over the moon because, you know, that Miyamoto's just his idol, and they start right. playing this game. And then Miyamoto thought it was hilarious just to throw him into a pit and kill him over and over again. And he's like, here I am getting to play the game with my idol, and he's killing me over and over again and thinks it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. And it's just, I, I just love that story because I can just imagine that, like being in awe that the guy just griefing the shit out of you. As they say, never meet your heroes. I think that's it is I think that's charmingly cute though and I don't know I don't think you could be that mad about it. Yeah. But yeah, I um I don't know how familiar you are with journalists, but there's Adam and Andrew Fitch and one of them sadly passed away in his thirties from like colon cancer, I think. And it happened oh, like a couple man. years ago. Yeah, it sucks. I don't remember that's which one though. They're they're awful. twins. Um, but yeah, I, I like it because the problem you run into if you go back to a lot of NES games is they don't age particularly well. And a lot of them are just straight up unfair. Yeah. And that's where the term NES hard came from is that there were a lot of old NES games that were set up that way. Ninja Gaiden. Uh, that oh, Ninja was, Gaiden is insane on some of the like the later levels. Yeah, well, I mean, you get to there's one spot, and anybody who's been there knows exactly what I'm talking about. But you get to one spot in like the last level, the wind and the you, birds. Yeah, oh. there's there's the the wind, and there's this one platform, and there's this hawk that spawns in this exact place, and it. Um, the the thing about it is that whenever you uh, you do that, it spawns in such a way that you you actually can't pass that without glitching it. You have to make it glitch in some fashion because you don't have the items you need for it. The items you need for it don't spawn, or if they do spawn, you don't have the ammo to use it. It it knocks you into the pit every time. And AVGN could not beat it. That was part of that episode. Yeah. The um, Lord Cat did beat it. But, you know, he... he that's where I learned about the... Uh, that's where I learned about the glitch in order to get by it. Because he even referenced that. He's like, AVGN talks about this. And he's right. The only way you can do this is by glitching it. And here's how you glitch it. Speaking of something that perplexed me, and then I found out it had a stupidly simple result... Is there's a level in Sonic 3 for Genesis that you just had to hit down to make this thing like go away and I could not figure it out as whenever I played that and I found out that's like that stumped like thousands upon thousands of people. 
Yeah. Um. What was the? What was there was a. Uh, God, I can't remember what game it was. There was there was another one where the. Um, oh my lord! I know what I'm thinking of. Phantasmagoria Two. Well, wow, wow. you pulled you pulled that out of the depths of. No kidding. There's a spot in the very last level where it's the only time in the game you use right-click instead of left-click. What? And, like, why would they yeah, do that? To make the puzzle difficult. That's it, right? Like, just artificial BS padding in order to try and make it more difficult. So it, it makes it, quote-unquote, it's, it's more of a challenge to beat. But that's, I mean, that kind of garbage is is crap. It's, it, uh, you know what, that's, that's a whole other rant. That's, that, that's a, that's a, take. that's a conceit I have with really old point and click adventure games. Not Maniac Mansion because that one, that one was actually kind of fair, but a lot of those old, old um, point and click adventures just are so obtuse in their, their puzzles. You wouldn't happen to be referring to King's Quest, would you? Uh, yes, I was actually thinking of Space yes. Quest, but King's Quest will do in a pinch. Oh, God, King's Quest was so bad about it. Like, it was so bad about it. Like, it, it, it's... Even if you... Okay, King's Quest 1 or 2, I can't remember which one. Are you talking one. about the one where you, if you went over the bridge too many times, you couldn't beat the game anymore? They all have something like that. They they all have that sort of thing. But in King's Quest One or Two, um, there's a section where you uh, you come across this little gnome who's laughing and says, "Oh well, you know, I can't help you unless you know my name." And I can't. And and you're like, "Oh, it's Rumpelstiltskin." But the thing is, I can't remember if he either says, "No, that's not it," or He'll do what you're asking you to, but he'll only half do it, which makes it almost impossible to uh, to continue from that point. And it's because you're supposed to write Rumpelstiltskin backwards, except there's only one thing in the game. It's somewhere else, and it's like one, one character that you may never even talk to that says he prefers it backwards or something like that. And it's like, how, how in the... How are you supposed to put these two things together? And it's it's artificial difficulty. It's like if I make everything too obtuse, then people can't figure out my puzzle. The what I used to hate is like the old um, might and magic games or the old wizardry games, which use kind of would ape like really like first edition D and D. And yeah. in, like, really, like, the first, like, one or two Might and Magics, there's a legitimate chance when you roll your first character, they might have one hit point. Yep. Or or in the Ultima games, maybe? No, Ultima... I don't think so. But Ultima, if you answer the questions wrong, you might start with, like, a shepherd or something, and then you're, like, totally hosed because you don't want to be, like, a shepherd. Yeah. Um, you have to know how to answer the questions, like especially in Quest of the Avatar, so that you get the the starting class you want, which is like a fighter or a paladin, so you can survive. There's um, 
Spoonie, like these are some old videos, but he did a whole Ultima retrospective that's really good and worth watching uh, if you have the time. Um, but I mean, even in third edition D and D, first level wizards could get killed outright if a kitten rolled a crit. So, I mean, because a wizard gets one d four hit die. And if you're not using the house rule of maximum hit points for first level and a kitten rolls a crit, that's 1d4 instead of just one damage. And then all of a sudden, this kitten, this wizard who found a kitten he wanted to pet who didn't want to be petted is dead. So, you know, that's never fun. Yeah. Matt, did you ever play old, like, PC RPGs and... All that stuff, or? Uh, not really. I mean, I've always predominantly been a console gamer. One of my favorite examples of fair uh, adventure stuff is Full Throttle as a LucasArts game, because you've got to figure out the puzzles, but it's not like, oh, you didn't do this right, now you can't complete the game. It's, you know, hey, um got to figure this out before you can move on and it's it's not too obtuse it's it's fun to figure out without being uh, you know just stupidly difficult so so kind of circling back to the Disney afternoon did either of you guys play DuckTales which is probably my favorite of the, the Capcom yes it did yep did you know it was remastered? Yes, I actually beat that one. Okay. I like the remaster. It 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 missed a little bit of the charm of the original one, but um, yeah, I thought it was a very good remaster. It was almost a direct port, wasn't it? They added some stuff. Oh, okay. But it was it was well done. Well, I I liked it quite a bit. Going into that remaster thing, though, if um. Either of you guys haven't played it. The um, third Wonder Boy game remaster is really good. I can safely say I have not played that. No, I'm not. So, have you? If you haven't played the original, it's 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 kind of like it was Sega's like version of like Mario, and it has some light RPG elements. But what's cool about the remaster is they updated the graphics and the music. But it's so true to the original that in the game you can switch the original graphics on and it still plays the exact same. Okay. Oh god, that's so much better than whenever they tried that uh, that that first Chrono Trigger port and it was unplayable. Oh, the Steam one. Yeah. Oh, it was horrendous. Square Enix has a, kind of has an issue with that. The worst is when they take like something. And they release it on Switch, and you're like, oh, I could play that. And like, oh, it's the mobile port. Yeah. It's just in the middle of all of this. I keep saying to myself, it's like, I sure would like to get a Switch. But even if I had the spare money for it, this, <laughs> there ain't any out there to get right now. Oh, you, you're going you're gonna to be stuck like Matt playing Zelda forever. You know, I, really what I'm looking for is um, is Mario Kart and Smash. Those are both excellent. That's, 
Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Zelda's great, though, just, like, wandering the countryside looking for shrines and stuff. That's true, I like, but it's super fun. I like Sandbox up to a point, but... Um... It's, it's, it's a very interesting take on Zelda because it's essentially... So essentially what Breath of the Wild is is a post-apocalyptic Hyrule where you're waking up after you lost to Ganon like years after the fact and the only thing keeping him in check is pretty much Zelda so you're setting off in this kind of destroyed and ruined Hyrule to get things back under control. Kind of sounds like um, XCOM 2. Well, I guess he's Calamity Ganon in this, is what they call him. <laughs> Calamity Ganon? Yeah, that's kind Was of... Was he part of that Hyrule Wild West show? Uh, there's a whole, like, mythology of it, but pretty much you lose. Like, you can go around and find... You can find... I, I don't remember how they call it. They, you kind of get, like, glimpses of your memory leading okay. up to this battle you lose with Ganon. Okay. So then you kind of just pop out and you wander the countryside. It really doesn't give you any guidance, but you can interact with the world in really interesting ways. And then, you know, if you see, like, a, a cliff, you can climb it until your stamina gets out. So if you get, like, a decent amount of stamina, you can just climb forever. Oh, okay. And it gives you powers. So, like, they, they have these shrines and you use these powers, like... You might have like this magnetic ability and can't cross um, this distance, but there's metal doors sitting there, so you have to like pull this metal door up and like prop it between two two platforms to get to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you they, you have certain powers and you have to actively use the powers essentially yeah. to to kind of <laughs> kind of overcome some quests. Or the one that I'm really terrible at are the they're like those old like mazes where you had the metal ball and you had to like tilt it. Oh, those are terrible. Yeah. I hate those. Especially the ones where you have to like jump the ball. I suck at those. Yeah. I always see that. I'm like, no, I suck at these. <laughs> it's like doing escort missions. Well, and the the thing that the thing that is heartbreaking, unless you actually need it to happen, then it won't. There's an event in the game called a red moon. And it pretty much resets all of the enemies you've wiped out. And it's actually surprisingly... I'd say the combat's surprisingly difficult in this game because you can't be overly aggressive with people. You kind of have to, like, circle and counterpunch enemies a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Especially the Moblins. Those, I, I struggle with those sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a really solid game. I enjoyed it a lot, and I need to get back and play it more. Okay. Well, like I said, if if slash when I'm able to get around to having the money for it and getting one, um, then I would be I'd be pretty tickled. But uh... also, if you if you do get one, you can get it cheap. Mario Rabbids. Battle Kingdom is very close to being an XCOM game. Getting that out of like a, a Raymond's uh, Rabbits game is is really 
kind of weird to me. Well, think of, think of it like this. So it, it plays a lot like XCOM, except you don't get screwed by the like the weird like random encounters. But think of okay. think of XCOM if you had warp pipes to help you transport, and if the characters could jump off of other characters so that you could do some like crazy like movement puzzly stuff. Added in with it being a turn based strategy game with rabbits. Well, with the Mario characters, and then. Rabbids cosplaying as Mario characters. There's so much weird stacking on top of itself. It, it it sounds stupid, but it plays really well. I didn't say it sounded stupid. I said weird. It is weird, but it's it's fun. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, now that we've we've kind of scrolled away into uh. Weird side topics. So that is the first episode of Raw. I did want to mention before we get off the air tonight, we are rapidly coming up on our 100th episode. And I believe for that, we are going to be watching uh, Nitro number 100. That's what we've been kicking around. Yeah. I had... Sorry, guys. It snuck up on us and things have been <laughs> we've been doing the show weekly right now but with the way the world's been it's been a little crazy and we've been a little distracted yeah um yeah. i had i had thrown the offer out of like i post links to to some of my old the my old stuff that i still have that i may or may not have shared and then let let uh matt and brad just beat me up on it um, hopefully not too badly, but uh, we we hadn't settled on anything for that. And if we got enough interest in doing like a, a questions episode, we'd be happy to. But we need to hear from everybody about that too. So I would like to do the match thing. I just didn't think we'd be able to pull that off in about a, a two week time frame because it's um like I said it's it's a little it's a little stressful right now. I was gonna say you'd be surprised how many, how many, how few matches of mine I have access to. So, because at the time I didn't have a means of recording it. So, uh... did I send you guys just just randomly? Did I send you the the um, the tweet from that guy saying he walked up to the homeless guy to ask how he's doing because he thought he had coronavirus, and the homeless guy asked him for tree fitty and then he realized at about that time he oh yeah the homeless guy was a 50 foot tall crustacean from the paleolithic era yeah you did that. and i i you like this monster and i i um did, did i send you the baby yoda one because i laughed at that all day too because that's my father-in-law yeah. right now oh, which is like okay. stay inside like go to walmart yeah <clears throat> Oh yeah. Well, there's like a there's a meme that I know like people have been sharing where it's like people during you know like outside of a, a pandemic, and it's just you see people like just sitting on their couch like looking at their phone, and it's like people during a lockdown quarantine, and it's just like tons of people outside just doing everything near each other, and it's like yeah that, that scene's what it's like like people can't people couldn't apparently stop like celebrating like St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Yeah. Going to the beach in Florida, 
going to Mardi Gras, then it's just like now we have outbreaks everywhere. So yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened with uh, in in Louisiana, is that they were like, oh, we went from no cases to nine hundred because of Mardi Gras. Yeah, I'm like eh, gee, shocker. But did did you see that one in Boston where they had the conference on? coronavirus and they got 90 cases that came out of that conference of coronavirus because someone infected everyone that doesn't surprise me it was like 70 cases i think i think they had 90 cases at the time yeah i I know it doesn't surprise me it's super it's super infectious it's 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 crazy yeah i'm Oh, God. The memes, I, I have enjoyed the memes, though. The memes have been have been fun. Okay, we have had, in Kentucky, our governor has been working really hard to, like, work with the public and stay ahead of stuff and, um, you know, uh, and reassure people. And that's, there is a group that is called Andy Bashir Memes for Social Distancing Teens that in the course of three hours blew up to 10,000 followers enough that it's get, it got like national coverage on like a bunch of different places. So uh, <laughs> the, the memes have been a lot of fun. My wife got invited to some group of random, I guess it's just random people around the city. It's called quarantine karaoke. Okay. And it's people like dressing up and singing along with like some random song they've picked and just like hamming it up like in their living room or whatever. And she's been enjoying that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That does sound that does sound kind of interesting. There's no way in hell I'd do it. But no, I can't sing. Worth, uh, I can't sing worth shit. So I'm so insecure about my singing. I used to dress in tights and go and fake fight in front of a bunch of people, but there's no way I'm singing in front of a group like that. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't do it. Okay, well, I say that is it for this episode. Um, thank you all for listening. As always, we will be back next week with I don't know what because that's episode 99 and we haven't thought of that far ahead. Yeah, we we haven't settled on anything, so we'll uh, we'll have an episode of something. Yes, right? and we will. All right, and just just as a random aside, real quick, is we are going to keep it lighthearted and light for the foreseeable future, as much as we can. Yeah, as much as we can, we're going to try and keep this as a fun distraction for you, um, because we are. Damn it, that's kind of what people need right now. And even if we're just an hour out of your week, or maybe longer than that, depending on how long we go, we want to make this as much of a, you know, a nice distraction or escape for a while. Um, so it, it, it's we we want that for you okay we want that to be something you can enjoy that maybe focus you on something else so all that being said this is shad with matt and brad we've been in three quarters you're in the fourth we'd love to hear from you 
stay safe, stay healthy, stay home, and wash your damn hands. Yes. Good night.